Good morning. And the Lord is good, isn't he? And uh, I heard you heard a great service last week. I'm so thankful for Chetty. Uh, just a good man, good man of the Lord, and, and uh, just a great missionary doing a lot of good work, spreading the gospel to those that don't know, translating the word of God into other languages. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine not having a Bible in your own language? And then, yet there are people out there that are diligent, that are dedicated, and that are translating the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ into languages that everybody can read and understand. That's a, that's a powerful ministry, isn't it? And uh, we had, Nancy and I had a great time last week. We uh, able to see our grandson's first basketball game. Woohoo! Uh, that was fun, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Had a lot of fun. Glad to be back. Brought a hurricane with me. Uh, uh, isn't that great? So, well, you know, the thing is, we don't know. We don't know if it's going to hit us, if it's going to hit somewhere else. So, one thing I've learned about hurricanes, you just have to sit there and watch them. Uh, so, right now, we are planning on having Wednesday night prayer and Wednesday night service, uh, Bible study, and Wednesday night uh, youth. However, keep, uh, keep an eye on our website, and as the week progresses, if it looks like we're going to have uh, a lot of wind or, or storm, then uh, we will let you know and we'll cancel at that point. But right now, it's a beautiful day. Amen? So we're going to worship the Lord. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about, about something that's really been on my heart. I want to talk to you about the power of focus. The power of focus. You ever wake up in the morning and you can't get your eyes to focus? You know, and you, and you rub your eyes, you, you, know, you try to get them to focus, you're a little tired. Um, there is a rule in life. It's, it's called the, the Pareto rule. Uh, you may not have known it by that name, but maybe you know it by the 80-20 principle or the 80-20 rule. The 80-20 rule simply states, and you say, well, that's just something that people say. No, it's a real rule. It's the Pareto rule. It simply means that uh, 80% of the time, 20% of the people do it. Like, in other words, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people, or, or 80% of the problems you have are caused by 20% of the people in your life. You ever notice that? Um, 80% of the work accomplished is usually done by 20% of the employees. 80% of your sleep quality. 80% of your sleep quality happens in 20% of your sleep time. Isn't that amazing? And it's that important 20%. I don't know which 20% it is, so I just don't like to be interrupted in any of it. And that way, I'm, I make sure that I get my... my my good 20% in. But it's important to understand that in life there is that 80-20 rule. And it's the same principle that we find in Scripture. On the, on the day of Pentecost, in Acts 2-1, this is what the Scripture says. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. I really find that a fascinating verse. That when the day of Pentecost came, keep in mind that Jesus 
was crucified, then he rose three days later, showed himself alive for 40 days, and then ascended into heaven. And when he ascended into heaven, he said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem, and I want you to stay there until you receive power. Because and then the Lord gave the great commission, Matthew 28. Uh, and you're going to go into all the world and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you're going to make disciples in my name. But before you do that, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to stay there until you receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses. Isn't that a, a, an amazing scripture? When the day of Pentecost came, which is 50 days after Christ's crucifixion, it always happened 50 days later. It was the Feast of the First Fruits, Christ rising from the grave, being, uh, not the first fruit, but the beginning of the harvest. And, and here, here they are 50 days later in Pentecost, at Pentecost, and they are in the upper room, and then the Holy Spirit falls. So they've been there roughly seven days. They've been there about seven days. They're in one place, and they're in one room. But if you really look at that, that, that verse, it doesn't mean that they were all together and, they're in, and, and they were all together. It simply means that they were focused with one purpose. They were together in thought. They were together in purpose. They were together in unity. They were together in one place. They were together in harmony. They were focused on what Christ had said when he had commanded them, go to Jerusalem and stay there until you receive power from on high. And then you will be my witnesses. Well, what's interesting is this 120, the scripture says there's 120 in the upper room. This 120 is actually roughly, it, it's roughly 22 to 23 percent of those that saw Jesus ascend into the heavens. 1 Corinthians 15, 6 says this, Paul writing, he said after that, after Christ appeared to his disciples, he appeared to more than 500 of his brothers at the same time. Most, most Bible scholars believe that, that Paul is, is referencing Jesus' ascension on, Mount, uh, on the Mount of Olives before when he gave the Great Commission and said, go into all the world. There were 500 plus at one time that, that heard Jesus say, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Over 500 people, men, heard Jesus say, go to Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Over 500 saw Jesus ascend into the heavens. Can you imagine seeing Jesus ascend into the heavens? Can you imagine Jesus himself saying, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to stay there and once you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll have power to be my witnesses to fulfill the Great Commission. But I want you to fulfill the Great Commission, but you first need to go to Jerusalem. Now, the Mount of Olives is just a Sabbath day's journey. It's roughly an hour walk on foot. And here's what amazes me. 
all these 500 plus people loved God. How do I know that? They were there. Why would you show up to, to an event you don't like? They were there. Jesus said, told his disciples, go meet me there and I will talk to you. And, then, and so they all gathered to hear the words of Christ. They were there. They loved the Lord. And they, and they heard his word. They understood his word. And, and yet, for some reason, only 20% made the journey from Olivet to Jerusalem. And God used the 20 to turn the world right side up. I wonder what happened to the, to the 80%. You ever, you ever wonder that? What was the difference between the 80% and the 20%? All heard Jesus taught, all heard the same great commission, and all saw Jesus ascend into the clouds, and yet only 20%, 2 out of 10, were actually there on the day of Pentecost. And the difference between the 80 and the 20 was focus. They were passionate about obe uh, obedience to the Lord. See, there were 500 plus people, and I can tell you something about all 500 of them. They were all alive. They all had lives. They were all trying to live their life the best they could. How many of us are just, you know, there's, there's many people in our church, and yet, and yet we're all, we all have a life to live. And I know that they loved God. All 500 of them had some kind of goal in their life, some personal goal, some agenda, some responsibilities that, that fell on their shoulders that they needed to take care of. Because after all, I'm sure that out of that many people, there were marriages to attend, there were fields to glean, there, there was work to be done, there were families that needed attention, there was just a multitude of of needs among that 500 that, that needed to be taken care of. And yet the 80% felt that their needs outweighed Jesus' command. In other words, they lost It wasn't that they didn't believe the words of the Lord. It wasn't that they didn't trust the Lord. It wasn't that they didn't love the Lord. But somewhere in their mind, their needs outweighed Christ's command to go to Jerusalem. Scripture doesn't tell us why. We can only assume I do know this, that the greatest enemy to any of us seeing the, the promises of God in our life is a lack of focus. Because the adversary's greatest tool in our life is to get us distracted upon other things in life. And you say, well, it, it, it's easy to do. Yes, it is. I mean, 
with some of us is easier than others. I mean, I, I'm one of those, ooh, look, there's a shiny object. And I, just, I can lose my focus so quick. But the devil uses that. He'll, he'll use situations in our life, some good things and some bad things. He'll use uh, some things that you, we consider needs, and it will take a priority over what the Lord has asked us to do and what the Lord has commanded us to fulfill in our life. It's important to understand that if you want to be part of the 20%, you cannot allow yourself to lose focus on what Christ has asked us to do. In Luke 18, Scripture tells us that there was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus, and he said, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And, this, and Jesus looked at him, and the Bible says something amazing. He says, Jesus loved him. Jesus didn't ridicule him. He didn't condemn him. He said, well, you know what the scripture says, love God with all your mind, heart, soul, strength, you know, and, and keep the commandments. And this young man said, Lord, I've done these things since my youth. And then Jesus said something that was absolutely profound. He told the young man, he said, there's only one thing, there's one thing that you're lacking. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And then come, pick up your cross, and follow me. And the scripture says the young man went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. Some people look at that passage of scripture and say, well, that's the Lord telling us that you can't have anything. No, that's not it. What Jesus was trying to convey was this young man had his focus on the things of this life more than he had focus on God. And it's important to understand that it, it's not about money. It's not, it can, your focus can be shifted from God with a multitude of things. But if you really want to do the will of the Lord, if you really want to be found in that 20%, you have to get to the place, as this 20% did, they had, they, the 20% had a, a agenda, they had things to accomplish, they had places to go, but their personal care, their personal needs, their personal agenda, their personal life was secondary to God's commission. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of heaven, and then everything else will be added to you. See, the priority has to be, must be, it, it's, it, it's designed by God, that we seek Him first. That He sits on the throne of our heart, far above our wants, far above our needs, far above everything that we're facing in life. Christ has to be number one. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. 
and then everything else will be added to you. See, I, I, I know a lot of people, and to be honest, I have fallen in that 80%, and, I, and I'm sure if we were honest uh, with ourselves, we, we have vacillated between going from the 20% to the 80%, where we have allowed circumstances and situations in our life to become overwhelming, and they are greater than the need to follow God first. You ever been there? And then you, then you make your way over to, to God and you say, God, I, I, I am putting you first. And, and somehow, when you start putting God first, everything else starts working out. Because you have sought God first. You have become part of the 20% that said, I have a life to live and I have problems to solve and I have a family to feed and I have all of these other things. But the most important part of my life is following God this church right here this church we're getting ready to celebrate 125 years is that incredible I mean that's that is amazing now if you're in some other countries where they say look there's a new church it's only 500 years old um but for America, for, for us, and for the Alliance, 125. The church, the Alliance is only 135. And we're 125. But this church, I started doing a lot of research on it, and there's, there's some focus that this church has had that has sustained it through good times and bad times. There's two, there's two things that, that this church focused on, and there's two things that I really want to in the upcoming weeks and months and years I want to hone in on because I think to be honest through the circumstances of life we perhaps have lost our focus and perhaps we have shifted toward the 80% and trying to accomplish the things of God on our own and, and we haven't put God first but these, this, this 20% this, this, this church was built on two things on missions and evangelism. Missions and evangelism. You realize that there were six years, six years that missions giving in this church was greater than our annual budget. Usually missions giving is about 5%, maybe 10% of your annual budget. And there have been times in this church where the giving to missions was greater than the budget for the year of the church. That's incredible. That's amazing. That's a testimony to putting God first. I want to see that. I want to see that where, where we have that, that great desire to see the world come to Christ that we cannot go ourselves but we're willing to send others and support them to see the gospel around the world it's a passion that has to be in our heart it's fulfilling the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel all of us can't go into the world but there are there are young 
families like the Wilsons that come from this church that are over in Africa that we are supporting to send the good news. And there's like Jen and Chetty that are, that are transcribing the, the word of God into, into new languages that, that are reaching the lost. And there is the Alliance Missionary Family that we can give to that is spreading the gospel throughout the world. And we have this great opportunity what I would like to see, I would like to see this church focus on missions and reaching the lost around the world. I would like to see this church begin to, to send missionaries from our own ranks into various parts of the world. We can't all go because we're not all called. But for those that are, I would like to have our focus on reaching the lost in every corner of the world. Missions giving from, from history, it wasn't out of surplus. See, and that's, that's the thing that, that we forget sometimes. It's, it's giving to missions was never out of their abundance. They didn't meet all their needs and say wow look at all this money we have just laying around you know it was out of need it was out of a faith-filled heart that said I want people that I've never met to come to faith in Christ I want Muslims to come to faith in Christ I want Hindus to come to faith in Christ I want people from every ethnicity to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And when you begin to call out uh, those people around the world and you begin to pray for them, that you have weekly meetings that are just designed for, for missions, that you're praying for not just for missionaries, but for the people around the world. And God begins to move on your heart to begin to give to them. Amazing things begin to happen. I have never seen God fail yet that when you give to missions, God always gives to the local church. God always gives to the local church. One, one of the things that really amazed me uh, several years ago uh, when Nancy and I wanted, uh, we felt God uh, you wanted to use us in, in, in missions as far as a... Uh, as a ministry team to go and, and, and help and encourage missionaries as a pastoral care team. One of the qualifications was that the church needed to endorse what you were doing. So we presented it to the church. We told the church what was going to happen. They prayed and they said, yes, we're all in. The very next Sunday, we had a new family because we were going to be ministering to those in France. We had a new family come into the church from France. It's like God said, see? God always does these amazing things. Missions has to be one of our priorities. The other one is, because we reached around the world with missions, but evangelism is reaching across the street. Evangelism... This church at one point had weekly prayer meetings that 
was designed only to pray for the lost of our city. Every single week there were prayer meetings and we didn't pray for missions, we didn't pray for the church, we didn't pray for anything else. It was just, Lord, help us to reach the lost. Because evangelism and missions is around the world and around the corner. Where we can't go around the world, we can definitely go around the corner. We can't go across the ocean, but we can walk across the street. Evangelism has never been about, or should never be about, coming to hear a pastor preach a sermon. I know that's quiet, isn't it? You called me to this church five years ago because you wanted to see this church grow. And I'm standing on the Word of God this morning telling you that if you want to see the church grow, we have to have a focus on reaching the lost around the world and reaching the lost in our community. And it doesn't begin or end with a pastor or an elder board. It begins and ends with God's people calling out to God about the lost of our city and having compassion and understanding on every single person we come across because you and I that have forgiveness in our lives that we have been born again that we have the blood of Christ applied to our lives that our sins are forgiven they are washed away that they are no longer we have a joy that's unspeakable and 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 if we stay focused on that 20% if we stay focused on the understanding that we are redeemed by the blood of Christ and that the blood of Christ can reach anybody anywhere at any time and you and I are the are the carriers we are the mouth of God we speak the gospel it was not given to angels nor cherubims nor seraphims or any other creation the only ones that can proclaim the word of God is is God's people we are the body of Christ and when we begin to realize that the gospel has power, the gospel has power, you'll realize it's not about you, but Christ in you, the hope of glory. I worked with a lady years ago. I was, I was a new Christian. I didn't know anything other than I was filled with the Holy Spirit and, and I loved the Lord and I knew about two and a half verses, maybe. That and I wanted everybody saved. And there was a, a lady about my mom's age that worked in the uh, accounts payable and receivable office and I'd go talk to her every once in a while and, uh, and I'd try to talk to her about the Lord but just nothing happened until one day one day I just walked into her office little little 
cubicle office out there by the shipping docks and sat down and when I sat down the presence of God flooded that little room you know how many words I said zero she began to cry I began to cry she was in church on Sunday See, it's not about how much we know. It's about how much we care. It's about being committed to the cause. And, I, and I'll be honest, the Bible says that you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. See, your testimony is something that, that nobody can take away and nobody can say, well, I don't agree with that. I mean, I, I've told you before, I'm so glad I was baptized in the Holy Spirit before I went to seminary and they told me that doesn't exist anymore. It's important that we have a passion in our hearts. That when we look at people, and it, to be honest, it's so easy to slide from the 20% to the 80%. If you drive a car, you know how easy it is to go from the 20% to the 80%. It only takes one person putting on their left blinker and turning right. Or that person you're walking into the grocery store and they're a little bit rude. Or the person you're sitting next to that, that comes in and they're a little annoying. See, it doesn't take much for us to slip from the 20% to the 80%. But the difference is, what really made that 20% different than the 80% on that focus was they were obedient to what Christ said. See, their evangelism and their, and their efforts, when you read the book of Acts, there's always a, a prevailing theme that they were filled with the Spirit. See, being filled with the Spirit means that you have to be depleted of self. To be depleted of self means that you empty the vessel that God can fill it. And it's a continual depleting so that he can continually fill. We call that sanctification uh, uh, of being walking in the Spirit and living in the Spirit and living in the abundance that, that God has given us. See, the 20% did it God's way. Jesus said, you're going to go and reach the world for me, but before you do, you need to be depleted. You need to be filled with the Spirit. See, doing God's work our way never comes to good. Churches that want to reach the lost God's way never really reach the lost. You may fill seats, but you're not transforming hearts because we cannot transform hearts. It is the work of God. But when we are walking in the Spirit, when we are living in their Spirit, when we are obedient to the Spirit, 
That's when amazing things begin to happen. And you can only be filled with the Spirit. You can only be obedient to the Spirit if you are depleted of self. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. We look at the sinful nature as saying, oh, the sinful nature is, is, is greed and lust and all, and all these other vices. It, it, those are, but the sinful nature as well is charting our own course over God's, regardless of the desire in our heart, whether we think it's a right motive or not. We need to be filled with the Spirit. Galatians 5.25, again, he says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If the Spirit gave you eternal life, then let's be obedient. That walk means live. It's the parameters. It's the pericope. It's, 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 it's the area in which we live our daily life. Walk daily in the presence of God. Be obedient to the voice of the Spirit every single day. Ephesians 5.18 Don't get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. I love that, that verse because it, it gives you a comparison between alcohol and the Holy Spirit. And it shows you something they both have in common. They both influence your character. One negatively, one positively. He said, don't get drunk with wine because it will inhibit, it will break down all your inhibitions and you'll do things that you'll think, I was so stupid. Be filled with the Spirit, which the Holy Spirit may ask you to do something you think, that's going to make me look really stupid. You ever done that? You ever been somewhere and you felt like the Holy Spirit said, go talk to that person? And you thought, I can't talk to that person. I don't even know that person. How am I going to talk to that person? But when you get there, the Lord does an amazing work. Be filled with the Spirit. See, God has a plan for all of us that are willing to allow the Spirit to lead us. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. Uh, C.T. Studd, he was an English uh, missionary back in the, uh, from 1860. I think he passed away around 1930, 1931. But he served the Lord in China, India, and Africa. Uh, his motto was, if Jesus Christ is God and he died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. And he wrote a, uh, he, he wrote a poem that we're all familiar with. I want, would you stand with me? We're all familiar with this poem. I'm going to read you a couple of stanzas. It said, Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. 
Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Two things. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the world is around the world across the ocean and across the street but my friends we can't do it on, with ourselves. we can't be self-filled and fulfill the great commission because the great commission is a work of the spirit people cannot change people only God can change the heart and the soul Will you join with me? And you say, well, pastor, are you part of the 20%? As of today, right now, I am. I'm in. Tomorrow, I know something's going to happen. I, actually, that's, no, that's not right. This afternoon, I'm sure something's going to happen that's going to try to shift me from the, 80, from the 20 to the 80. Some need, some great desire, some, something that, you know... As, as big as something uh, tremendous, as small as something as a football game can shift me from the 20 to the 80. You say, is football wrong? No, but if, it, if it's moving you from the 20% to the 80%, then it is. It can be anything. Let's live in the 20 as a church as a body of believers as sure as there is a hurricane a brewing out there in the gulf the spirit of God is brewing in Orlando and God is looking for people that will be part of that great revival that's going to happen here. And it won't happen with programs. It won't happen with ministries. It's going to happen when God's people join that 20% and say, Lord, less of me and more of you because I want to reach across the world and I want to reach across the street. And when we do, you will see this church full to the brim of people from all walks of life that are seeking salvation.